Bum 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 bum. Oh, sorry. Hi, this is Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts. I'm Tyler Green, and I'm the host of this wonderful show and the head of community at Pod People. Got a little caught up in the music there. Sorry. This Community Spotlight episode features the award-winning executive producer, the expert in audio and publishing, the creative and passionate David Markowitz. He's been in the audio industry since before we could call it a podcast industry, really. He is a theater kid like me. He's directed award-winning audiobooks, not like me, shared his audio and business skills with some startups, dipping their toes into the audio world, and then spent a little time at a couple of companies you maybe might have heard of, Headspace. Pushkin, Frequency Media, and, oh yeah, he's currently the executive producer of podcasts at Netflix. Needless to say, David knows the business, he's seen it grow, and has some definite wisdom to share about it all. So we had to start by asking how David and the industry evolved together. So I started in audiobooks. I came into audio, I was a theater major and was working in downtown theater in New York and needed a job, right? And somebody was like, oh, a friend of mine is doing some weird thing. They're recording books. I don't know why. And I was like, that sounds fun. This was like long before audiobooks were that big. It was very much in like startup, a startup place. And it was, you know, working on reel-to-reel tape and recording people reading unabridged books, which at that time was also rare. Most audiobooks were abridged because Mm. all the publishers were like, why would anyone listen to eight hours of audio? That's ridiculous. And the company I was working for was like, no, no, we think that we should record the whole book word for word. It was not well known. And no one understood why anyone would be doing this. The industry grew while I was part of it. We went from having the company I was working with had a single recording booth on the far west side of Manhattan above a garbage truck garage that you'd have to stop recording every time the garbage trucks came in and out to having, you know, this huge space above the Strand bookstore in Manhattan with nine recording studios and 30 engineers. And at the time, one of the largest and that was over the course of like 15 years mm. as the, you know, the industry just kept growing and growing. So that was really fun. It was really fun to sort of be in the place where people over time really understood what it was and it got much more notoriety. And then I moved over essentially into podcasting where it all started again and trying to work with publishers at a company called Spoken Layer, trying to get audio versions of their articles And that was a time where everyone was like, why would anyone do this? Why would Mm. anyone listen to an article? That's the strangest thing I've ever heard. Video. (laughs) Everyone loves video. If you did it in video, it would be interesting. We're like, no, we're doing audio. So, yeah, yeah, it was that same process over the past 10 years, doing it all over again. And now everyone knows. Everyone goes, oh, of course, audio. We we need to be making more audio even. (laughs) The world has caught up with you. The world is, yes, exactly. (laughs) It's funny because I'm a theater major too, and I find what's really interesting in the position I'm in now, which is like staffing people for audio jobs, is there are people of so many varying levels of experience. And we really have to step in and make the case for people who are coming from even TV and film 
it's such a natural transition, but people put up, you know, these blinders that this person has to be a very specific person. And thankfully, people are getting into trouble for that now. And so there's a way to kind of weasel in there into that argument and stand up for people in a good way. But I just as a fellow theater major turned head of community at a startup, <laughs> I just can relate to kind of your experience a little bit in that right. way. That's true, too, that when I moved to L.A. almost three years ago, there was a big risk. But because in New York, it's such a public radio centric world, Mm -hmm. Such a presence. And so, so many people coming through that pipeline, which I didn't, I, that was not where I came from. I came mm. from a very different place and, you know, always interested in sort of what you could be doing in audio, but not narrative journalism, which seems to benefit me in LA because mm. it's, that's it, a different vibe. It's the business of show. Yeah. I'm finding myself wanting to dig in a little bit deeper and not at the expense of sort of shit talking public radio, because that's not what my intention is. But I came from public radio as well. But I also come from a really small town in the Midwest. And like a lot of the things that, you know, the liberal institution that I went to and then the liberal institution of public radio are things that were just not relatable to me. And I think there's also a part of me that has like the business of show in me, too. It's one of the things I love about being at this company because now I see this whole other group of people that I didn't even know, truly did not even know existed. Like I thought it was only Third Coast and Air and like I didn't know. I kind of just want to dig into that a little bit more. Like from your shoes, how did that feel at various points in your career? There was a point when I left my position in audiobooks mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, this is what I've done here and, and I love it, but it's still... It's still a secondary art form. It's a, you know, you're still dependent on publishing, on the books themselves. And I wanted to be making more original stuff in some way. Right. And right. it took about 10 years to find my footing because mm. I, I'm a little neither fish nor fowl. I'm, I'm a producer who has a lot of management experience and likes doing business development, but also likes making, you know, on the creative side. So I never quite fit for a long time. Eventually the industry, like there was, there wasn't that layer within the industry of we need executives who mm. can run things. Everyone needed producers. And I'm like, well, again, I'm not a narrative journalist. I'm not going to be your best producer, but if I'm working with a narrative journalist, I do great. So eventually I've these roles opened up. And um, when I came and worked for Headspace, it was, they're like, we need someone who understands every aspect of the audio publishing world, mm. whether it's podcasts or audiobooks or, and I'm like, actually, I know though all those things. And so it kind of was a nice transition yeah. into this. I have a question now about people who might identify with you in this kind of example that we're talking about, or me, where they like, Maybe they have like a couple different areas of expertise. They're not quite sure where they want to go in the industry. It sounds like you've been able to kind of lean into what you're good at and pivot when possible and probably got lucky here and there. And so just any practical tips for people as they're navigating this rapidly growing. I feel like we've got to come up with a new word because like, you know, it's what everybody says. But in our rapidly growing industry. Right. It's good. I think you're absolutely right. All of the above, you know, that. I was able to pivot. I did get lucky. I'm a white guy and, you know, I'm very aware of it. It's an industry that there are a lot of white guys in power. And I think it just, 
you know, coming into any of these roles with that awareness that we have to take that very seriously. And look, I, I'm sort of in a gatekeeper role right now. When I work with any production company, I really make sure that I'm looking at like, well, who I'm working with and why. And so I think that for anyone in the industry, it really is like you should know the industry. It's not just know what, you know, yeah, know what you like to do and do what you like to do, but also know like what everyone else is doing. I think it's really important. It's something Mm -hmm. I've always done. It's just being aware of what else is out there, being aware of all the opportunities and all the options and being able to fit yourself in where you can. So you're at Netflix now, aforementioned one of the biggest companies in the world. Uh, So let's just start with, tell me about your role there and what you're responsible for, what a day-to-day looks like. Sure. So I was hired as essentially a backfill. Ray Mm -hmm. Vata is the head of podcasting at Netflix, and she's on maternity leave. And so I am here. Let's hope that they hire more than one person at some point. So I'm, I'm hoping this goes longer, but at least I'm here through June. And it's essentially an executive producer role. So someone says, we should do a new running show about, you know, this audience vertical that we haven't really tapped into. And, you know, how should we do it? Who should we talk to? So I will find production companies that I think would be a good fit and help get everything up on its feet and make sure that the show has the best chance of finding its audience. What's nice is that all of our shows right now are within a sort of marketing-ish lens. I mean, it's very loose, but they're either attached to an audience or a title. And the goals are very, like, are very loose. You know, it's, it's hitting, it's engaging people, it's starting conversation. It's not like these have to be huge shows and we're going to need to recoup all of our money and mm-hmm. we're going to put ads on. There are no ads in any of our shows because Netflix doesn't run ads. So our podcasts don't have ads either. So it's it's a nice place to be right now. And there's mm-hmm. a real sort of willingness to experiment. And my job is to help. Like, I, get, I just get to help. Sounds dreamy. It's dreamy. I was going to say, like, the piece that's really interesting, I think, from a listener's perspective is, like, you just said no ads. And I'm like, I'm into all of them. Like, I will subscribe to all of them now. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, we might have to cut that because of advertisers. But anyway, um, I'm curious just on your personal opinions about this podcast to Hollywood pipeline. Just in general, like, how do you feel about that, which, you know, seems relatively newish, right? Right. I mean, look, everyone has, everyone has, <laughs> everyone has opinions about like, oh, you're making stuff just for IP. What's nice about it is there's money. And I think mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing, the biggest value is that there are now companies with money who want to pay for content that's out there. You know, no one's writing New Yorker articles because they think it'll get turned into a film, but that happens all the time. And Hmm. I think it's the same thing with podcasts that, you know, I think it's a great thing that Hollywood is interested in what's coming out of podcasting and the same way that they're interested in publishing and magazine articles, that it's not going to be a goldmine for everyone, but there will Hmm. be those opportunities you still need to figure out how to get it made in the meantime until Hollywood comes calling. Yeah. But, you know, I do hope that there are Project Greenlight type things for podcasts that, you know, where people invest in creators to make original shows however they want to. Yeah. 
there's money here and there's not really another industries. Right. I mean, you know, but there's no money being a playwright and yeah, <laughs> right. people still go and make plays. That's not, mm. you know, then a lot of them go and write for Hollywood, but turning them into movies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a conversation that makes me feel a little icky, but also really excited at the same time. So it's tough to navigate. People are squeamish about the money in podcasting and the more sort of corporatization of podcasting. I don't, and I think it's because I come from publishing and, you know, that, that was my, that's like where I started. And if you look at publishing, there are now, what, big five, big four, it's going to change. But they're, you know, big three, they keep on getting, buying each other up. But there are major publishers that are big corporations. There are tons of mid-tier publishers, and there's tons of people publishing on their own. These mm -hmm. all exist side by side, and there's value in all of them, and they're all different. And you can't mm -hmm. expect, like, you know, Penguin Random House to be the same as a small indie press, or that they're going to acknowledge each other in the same way. And that's, you know, so when people are like, oh, well, Amazon isn't going to support my indie podcast like no they're not but <laughs> there's still an ecosystem for that to happen yeah no that's great so nearing the end here i want to talk about sort of some crystal ball predictions from you oh, so dear. as a person who's been in the industry for so long and you know we will not like hold you to these okay but we like making a prediction so and they're very basic predictions so okay, where good. are we heading as an industry and what would you like to see change well, I mean, I think where we're heading as an industry is what I just said, that there seems to be these, every time a company gets bought up, every time Wondery gets bought up by Amazon, there's another tier that's sort of growing in its place. And mm. what's nice is I'm talking to a lot of these people right now, whether it's pod people or double Elvis or domino sound or you know there are all these production companies that are sort of finding big partners and making branded shows with people like sony or hbo or us mm -hmm. i think there's going to be a really robust kind of middle tier of podcast companies and there's going to be a lot of work mm -hmm. for them in the near future and that's exciting I think what's happening is people are understanding the value of podcasts and that it's not simply like, let's start a podcast division and make $2 million next year. I think people are kind of realizing that's not a thing, that let's start a podcast division and, you know, engage these specific audiences in this specific way. That's a mm. thing. Mm. So I think that's happening more, that there's a better understanding of what podcasts can do and how, mm. how big companies can spend money wisely to do that. Thank God. I know. I, <laughs> I, love that. I agree. And so then the second part is, what would you like to see change? I think what I would like to see change is what a lot of people would like to see change is that more marginalized voices come to the fore and that yeah. more opportunity for people who, you know, couldn't afford to take a two-year unpaid internship at a public radio station somewhere or whatever, right. low paid industry, you know, that I think that this is also what podcasting does really well. I feel like it's getting more support, which is really, really nice, but it needs even more. 
Okay, my last question related to pod people. <laughs> so yeah. this is a community member spotlight. You are a community member of pod people. Selfishly, I would just love as one of our amazing community members for you to give a little pitch as to why people should fill out the survey and join the community. I think that the listserv is a great asset. And I feel like people should go there and use that. But if someone comes to me and says, I'm looking for a host, I'm looking for a producer, I'm like, go to Pod People. My experience with Pod People has been great, both on that side of things, looking for talent, but also you guys, you produce one of our shows. It's a great team that produces a great show. Yeah, I think everyone should be in your system. I think it's like, you're silly not to be part of your team at this point. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. All right. Well, David, thank you so much for taking this time to chat with us. And I am looking forward to having even more conversations with you. We should. David has truly seen it all, and he dropped a few pearls of wisdom here. So I wanted to just summarize for you. Number one. Pay attention to everything happening in the industry, not just what you're up to. Keep your eyes open. Two, the corporatization of podcasting is not something to be scared of. And in fact, it could lead to a middle tier of podcast production companies in the near future, something between the Amazons of the world and indie productions. Three, and perhaps most importantly, you're silly if you aren't already a member of Pod People. Go and fill out that survey, podpeople.com slash audiopros. There's so much more in there, but you get the idea. He is a smart, busy guy, and we are so thankful that David took the time to chat with us. Thank you again, David. On next week's episode of Pod People's Podcast, for people who make podcasts, we dig into some more trends. This time, how to market your indie show with Jeremy Helton. You've got to be consistent, and you've got to think about how you're going to continue to promote the show throughout its lifespan. If you want the audience to keep growing, you've got to keep going. Can I get an amen? The Pod People team is Rachel King, Ann Fuse, Matt Sav, me, Tyler Green, Andrea Perez, Stephanie Bashara, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Isabel Genius, Ashton Carter, Alexa Brooks-Major, Devin Wilson, Priscilla Verlin, Madison Lesby, Brian Rivers, and Erica Wong. This podcast is edited by Katie Clarkson and mixed and engineered by Erica Wong. Are you on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook? Guess what? So are we. And we'd love it if you'd follow us over there. If you like the show, can you feel where this is going? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Like the oh-so-kind Craig112881, who said, quote, finger on the pulse. Really appreciate the helpful advice. As a podcaster, I find it really refreshing and funny, too. Thanks so much, Craig. We think you're probably pretty funny, too. Be sure to check out our show notes for relevant links to continue your listening experience. And if you haven't joined the Pod People community yet, there's a link in there that you can click, podpeople.com slash audiopros. You will not be sorry. Please send us an email at hello at podpeople.com if you have any questions or suggestions or just want to say hi. We are here for you. That's it for this week. And in the words of our very own Alexa Brooks Major, make today a beautiful day for yourself. You know, the worst part of these interviews is that they're kind of short. Yep. We don't have to dig super deep on stuff and we'll kind of explain things as needed. I'll stick to one word answers. Yeah, just one word answers. (laughs) 